Today's scripture reading, if you'd like to follow along, is going to come from Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Again, that's Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. And it reads, The eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, where are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Good morning. First thing I'd like to do in, uh, is personally thank everyone for uh, being very supportive. Your prayers, uh, the flowers that we, we received, uh, and and all the support and prayers, especially for the last six months. Ever since uh, our son Mark uh, went into the emergency room in the hospital. And uh, we really are thankful for all that support. I want to especially thank the, all the elders who participated in that memorial uh, last uh, Saturday. And it was, uh, it was really great. They all did a really great job, and it was very, very good. And it was very, very comforting to us as a family uh, to have that support. And it's really helpful uh, going through uh, a difficult thing. That's uh, uh, the First, and I hope it's the only son or child that we lose in our lifetime uh, before we pass away ourselves. Uh, so uh, we want to thank all of you. We know we sent a card out. I think the card's on the back. Uh, but I wanted to do that uh, personally uh, that for everything that you have done. It's really tremendous being part of this family and, uh, and sharing uh, the good and the bad things uh, that always ends up good for those who love God. So we are very indebted to that. As we uh, turn our attention to the lesson this morning, we did look at uh, the um, appreciating three things. and We looked at one of them last week, and th- today we're going to do the final two. And uh, this is uh, just by way of review, the hope of his calling uh, was what he wants us to really understand and grasp. And uh, uh, Romans chapter 5, verses uh, uh, 3 uh, through 5, I'll especially read verses 3 through 5, that uh, uh, the introduction is by the grace and uh, into this grace which we stand, which we exult and hope. Uh, of the glory of God, and not only this, but we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance, perseverance proving character, and proving character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. And so what we find in these verses is a very opportunity for us to grow. And the very fact of tribulations, we are to exult in that, exult in hope. We're supposed to rejoice and be zealous uh, in facing those tribulations and 
zealous with our joy as a result of uh, being steadfast and and uh, through those tribulations that we uh, all go through, uh, the character that it builds in us, and not only does it builds our character, then we're approved of God, and when we're approved of something, it should bring us joy and peace to our hearts. You know, it's just like a child in, in passing a test, or remember when you, I remember my driving test. You know, here I am, 16, almost 17. Oh, am I going to be the only one that fails this test? I mean, you're wringing your hands and, you're, and you come through and you pass it. Are you very sad? No, you're happy. You're very joyful and happy. So when we fail tests, we're not happy. When we pass tests, and especially in Christ, uh, then we should be joyous and, uh, and rejoice and go through our life during the trials, uh, uh, before the trials, and, and to come out the other side continually to rejoice even more uh, after the trials. And so uh, it is unseen, uh, that's the idea of hope. Hope is uh, in chapter 8 of Romans, chapter in verse 24, For in hope we have all been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? So uh, it's something that's unseen. If we possess it in our hand, it, we no longer hope for it, we have it. And so regardless of what it, what, whatever it is. And uh, in this case, uh, we, we have hope, uh, the desire and the confident expectation, that's the definition of hope, uh, that we're going to go to heaven. And uh, we uh, got to the end and read a little bit and talked a little bit about it, but let's look at this uh, very quickly once again in uh, Hebrews chapter Nine. I just want to go to verse 11 and 12, or verse 11 and 24. But when Christ appeared as high priest of good things to come, he entered through the great and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, not of this creation. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. We talked about uh, the uh, temple being divided into two parts, the most holy place and the holy place. And uh, Jesus uh, went through as a forerunner. Uh, we learned that in chapter 6 and uh, uh, verse 13 through 19 or so. And uh, he went through as a forerunner into, and where did he go? He went into heaven itself. He is our forerunner. That means we will follow. And so uh, what are we in now? We are in then the church. Uh, it's not made with hands. It's a creation of God. And that church then uh, uh, took the place of what the tabernacle was. And it could not be, you couldn't see what the church would be like until the tabernacle was, uh, was, was taken away or, or the, uh, the use of the, the tabernacle was taken away. And so uh, we, we, uh, we see how... That heaven itself in verse 24 uh, of uh, uh, verse 24 of Hebrews 9, it says, For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, but a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself. So that's where he went. He went to heaven. That's where we're going to go. But now, if we have this unseen hope of heaven, uh, we can take any problem, any problem, any tribulation, and we'll be able to actually pass it. God has given us the ability to pass it. Uh, if we fail it, we can always uh, get up and take the test again if we have to. And we may have the test again and pass it over and over and over again. 
I mean, that's, that's good, and then that becomes really uh, easier as we go. Um, and those who have no hope and without God in this world, there are many of those. We talked about that last week. Uh, and uh, they become weaker. They're not approved. Their despair grows. They live in the sea of despair. As I said last uh, month, or last time I preached, that there are some people who will find some worthwhile hobby or something to take the place of whatever is missing in their life. And they use that to fill it, but that doesn't uh, stay. That doesn't last forever. That uh, that could be taken away just like that. And a lot of times it is. Then what? Well, there, there's, there's despair. Uh, they're not approved. They're weaker. They can only see the obstacles. So they go through life, this negative, seeing all the obstacles, look at all this problem. Poor me, poor me, poor me. I mean, nobody has the problems that I have. So that's the idea that uh, a lot of the world has uh, out there. They're looking for an easy solution. And it's not going to be an easy solution necessarily. Uh, But God will always provide the way of uh, escape. So that's where we looked at last week uh, as we continue on. Uh, then then what has God done? Let's look in verse uh, uh, 18. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So uh, we, we looked at uh, his, the hope we are to have. We are to appreciate that hope. We are to appreciate that hope of heaven. We are to really uh, concentrate and meditate upon that. He wants us to know about what we're going to get out of, uh, out of being a Christian. We're going to get heaven. But what's God going to get? What's, what's, what's in it for Him? What's it all for? You know, look at all that God has done. He's done everything for us. Abraham, uh, you can go all the way down through from Abraham to uh, the law, the prophets. And then we talk about some of the things that happened uh, during the time of the prophets. Like in Jeremiah, we just got through studying Lamentations. And God did all that. Now he's going to take them into captivity and they're going to be in there for 70 years and they're going to come back out. Well, what's that all about? I mean, what's it for? Why, why is all this, uh, the, everything that he has, God has done, he's done for us? Well, for, what, what will happen to the universe? Well, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, it's going to be burned up. It's going to have intense heat. Uh, we're looking forward to a new heaven to new earth. That means this old one's not going to be here. The new one is not going to be like the old one. It's not going to be a physical one. Now we're talking about heaven. That's what happens after this earth is burned up. At the end of time, everything will be gone. Then what's going to happen? Uh, what will happen to all the wicked? Well, they're going to, in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, talks about they're going to be into eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power. They, they will be away from God. They would be in eternity where the wicked will stay in a place called hell. It is going to be a place of torment, a place where the worm does not die. Fire and be forever and ever. So that's, that's what will happen to the wicked. Well, what will happen to the faithful saints? Now that gets closer to home now, doesn't it? What's going to happen to us? What are we going to do? We just go through and do what we're doing year after year and we die. and You know, uh, that's, that's it. What's going to happen? Well, to, that's God's inheritance. 
This is what God is going to get out of the whole thing. Out of everything. He's going to get us. Now, when you think about that, God wants us to appreciate what God has as His treasure, as His riches. It's you and I. Every one of us. So, what does God think about all this? He's thrilled with it. He wants us to know. He wants us to know in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, filled up to all the fullness of God. He wants us to know. And so what we have is God had a plan, and the plan was to send Christ and to save on a planet uh, you and I, a speck in comparison to the rest of the universe. What does it say in Genesis 1-1? God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now God, God did this, but look what He created. And we were able to have the ability to take somewhat measurements, even if they're off a few million miles. <laughs> it still blows our mind what God has created. He, 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 uh, Genesis 1, take the sun for an example. You could take the sun our size and put a thousand earths inside of it. That's how big it is. A thousand earths. And, uh, and you could shake it like a... Or no, a million and a half Earths. I thought that was kind of low number. Million and a half Earths, and uh, in and uh, uh, inside the sun. Or you can hollow out a star and put thousands of suns with Earths, 92 each sun having an Earth 92 million miles away, rotating around its own sun, and they never touch. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? How about the one I looked up in Google? <laughs> Uh, last week in uh, the largest star. I just want to know what the largest star is. I mean, uh, no, nothing was said about the quasar this time. I went through a study. But a quasar used to be the largest star. But now it's called uh, the UI study, which is 17,000 times bigger than the sun. And uh, uh, and then the, you, how many Earths can you put inside of that star? Okay, you want to hear? Six quadrillion and 489 trillion Earths inside of it. You take the volume and the size of the Earth, that's how many you can get inside this largest star. Can you imagine that? That's just a little star. Now, can you see it that big <laughs> when you look up in the sky? No. It's out there so far. And, you know, even a, uh, I suppose a microscope could be able to pick it up somewhat, a little spot, a little dot. But that's... That's what God is going to get out of this whole universe and all the vastness things that he created is you and I are going to be his, his uh, inheritance. Now, can we comprehend how when we're talking about things and things that are just blows our mind away? He said, no, we can't comprehend it. That's what he wanted us to understand. He wants us to comprehend what we can't comprehend. He wants us to comprehend how vast it is, and what God is going to get out of it is the uh, uh, you and I as the inheritance. He wants us to know that, and uh, and God did it all for you. Here we are. Okay, so let's just take this earth. Okay, we're on the earth now. All of us are in uh, the same part of the earth, the north, uh, uh, the North American continent. We're in that. And then we're also in a state, the same state. We're 
in the same state. Not only are we in the same state, we're in the same city right now. We're in the same building right now. But you're sitting in a, your own chair. And so you're in a chair. And now what is that to the universe? A speck. That's how small we really are. That's how vast God is. And how small we are. But do we really count? When we look at it that way, well, then, well, we're just too small to speck. God can't look after us. You know, We're too small. He can't even see us. Barely see us. But that's what God wants us to understand. He want, How can you explain deity can love someone so small that God did everything, everything from creating the heavens and the earth, He did it for you and I. This is what He did. Now, we're, uh, we need to saturate our mind with this. Okay, when you're at work during the day and you get a little, you know, somebody's not treating you right. Think about the universe. Think about how great it is. Think about the little speck we are. And God notices us. We're like a huge beaming light to Him. And He sees it, notices it. When we have doubts and fears and frustrations and hurt and forgotten, lonely, uh, depressed, think about that. Think about what Paul is saying here about his inheritance. And he wants us to comprehend it, understand that, how important and how great of a treasure we are to him. That that's all he's going to get. I mean, we have some beautiful rocks and beautiful trees and beautiful things. You think God would want to keep a few of those around? No, it's all going to be destroyed. Now, in Romans chapter 8, in verse uh, 37... It tells us this. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The only thing that's not mentioned here is us. That is the only thing that can separate us from the love of God. Is our free will choice to be separated from God. Or not pleasing to God. Not doing what God requires and wants us to do on a regular basis. So we overwhelmingly conquer. If we have the free will choice, we overwhelmingly conquer. Now God has all this power of the universe. You think he has the power to keep us in his love if we choose to do so? Nothing can take, take, uh, take us away from God. Would you keep going if you knew that God wanted to spend eternity with you? That's why Paul says, think about this. Think about what you would be giving up. That uh, if you were to, you know, uh, fall away from God. You're giving up eternity with God. God wants to spend eternity with us. He gives us everything we need to overcome, to be able to spend eternity with him. He's thrilled about it. He's given his son, he proved it over and over again uh, to us. And that's how great he is. Well, let's uh, let's, uh, notice uh, how valuable we are to God. Well, it kind of depends on how we look at it, doesn't it? Go back to the time before you became a Christian. 
Oh boy, I hate to think about that. But you know, go back to that. How 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 are you doing? I mean, I mean, I was doing terrible. I'm doing rotten. Oh, I was doing fine out there. You know, I could put on a show. I mean, I was all looking good. But inside of me, I wasn't doing very good. I wasn't doing good at all. And so I, I looked at everything and everything. It just was a fail, like a failure. And I go, there's nothing. What's what's important? I mean, if nothing's important. Nothing. There's no God. Then why, why be here? You know? And so... Then you say, well, there's got to be something because look at all this. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't just happen that you have happy days and and uh, you, you laugh one day and then you're crying another day or feeling sad or feeling blue and all of that for nothing. All oh, that doesn't make sense, does it? Of course not. But so there has to be something out there. So it depends on how we look at things. And so... Uh, in, in my case, I, I was looked undeserved and worthless. And what, what's it all about? Uh, and that's where most of us go. But in Christ, now, how valuable am I? How valuable are you? Once you're in Christ, we give up following our own paths. And now we follow in Christ. How are you doing now? I'm doing much better. I'm doing much better. Got a long way to go. It's a long road. And uh, it's a lifetime uh, of uh, challenges, uh, things that happen in our life. But we have God's word. We have God's promises that we can make it. And he wants to spend eternity with us in the end. So uh, the riches of the church are not uh, uh, material. Let's, uh, let's notice in Job chapter 2 and verse 3 uh, what God says. God cares about our character. He cares about our destiny. He cares. Notice when uh, Satan uh, approached uh, God. And, uh, and he says, uh, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright and God-fearing and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. What does God think of a man like Job? He held him in high esteem. He held fast his integrity. And actually, why did God put this in the Bible in the first place? This example of Job. He's doing it for us. Job didn't understand that at the time. He didn't understand, well, wh- why, why am I being singled out? Well, when we look at the whole picture where he's being singled out, because he is our example. He was a holy, godly man. He held fast his integrity. He lost his family. He lost his everything. He, he just lost everything. His health. His wife, eventually. But yet, what did it say he did? He continued to worship God in all of that. He kept ha- he kept struggling. He trying to figure out why this is all happening, and he'll never know until he got to the end when he says, "I now my eye sees. I know I knew God, but now I see with my eye. I know Him like in a way I've never known Him before." And so Job did that. That happened to him. And God has left it as an example for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us can be like that. 
Don't, don't, don't look at it and say, well, man, I can never be like Job. No, you can be. I mean, he, he might have been the most righteous that was around at the time. But no, we can be like Job. I mean, we may not be the, the exact degree, but we can be righteous people. We can be like, like he is. And so uh, we are the richest of the, the, the richest to God. And so uh, the riches of the church are not material. They are zeal, purity. So you take a person that knows God and God's word, and they're striving to live as God wants them to live. And we looked at uh, in the Bible class, even godly people, they, tr- they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to offend somebody with their freedom. They may have a freedom to do a certain thing, but they don't offend another person. Uh, they, they look at uh, whether they're going to be a stumbling block or not. Uh, see, those are the riches of the church. When you got people like this that are not uh, for their own desires, for their own cares, but they are for the cares of the others. They're thinking about other people, uh, thinking uh, instead of highly of themselves. So you have the zeal, the purity, the gentleness, the courage of uh, the people who occupy the seats at the local congregation, the family of God. You have this in there, and you can go on along with the list. So if God looks and sees that zeal in people and the purity and the gentleness and the courage and the truthfulness, shouldn't we regard one another as being just as valuable as, as, that, uh, as, uh, as how God looks at the treasures? Suppose one of the treasures, suppose one of us falls away from God. And what is that like? That's like a huge treasure falling out of heaven from crashing down to God. Because he holds everyone as a treasure, as his riches. And so he, anyone that falls away is like a huge treasure. Why? Because God loses. Not only we lose, but God loses. And, uh, and so we got to do everything we can to get that treasure uh, back to God. And that's what uh, I think we've had some lessons uh Somebody did a lesson on, I think Bill. Yeah, I did a lesson on the, is uh, that Bill or Clay? I can't remember which one. But they did it on the uh, uh, the prodigal son and those parables in there. And uh, it's really, really been good. Uh, so when, when a person returns to God, what do they return? The riches of the glory of God returns. There's a lot of paradoxes in the Bible, aren't we? We're worthless without God, but yet we're the treasures with God. We're valuable to God by being with Him. Paul was the way he was because of the grace of God. How much grace? Well, we, we can't even measure it. But Paul talked about the grace, the, the gift of God, the grace of God. He, he, was, uh, he counted himself as being worthless, the greatest of sinners. Uh, he... He did all of that. You see why Paul got so excited? You see why Paul, as we looked in, uh, in our Bible class in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, he buffeted his body. <laughs> he, he did it daily. He was careful of, who, uh, uh, of exercising his liberty or not exercising his liberty, who was around. 
he really uh, counted the interest uh, of others before his own. So he, he did all of these things. He appreciated all the things that have done. So God has a deep interest in our growth because we are valuable to him. We are his treasure. As we look at the last uh, one, his power, he wants us to know his power uh, toward us who believe. Um, and uh, we read that in, in uh, verse 19. I wanted to thank Aunt Alvaro for reading that passage of scripture, by the way. That was really good. So uh, the power is uh, directed toward our lives, the power to protect us from Satan. He will provide the way of escape. Uh, uh, as First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, uh, he surpasses all difficulties, present and future. Uh, God works through his people, the church. The body and the church are the same. We read that passage uh, as well, Alvaro did. In uh, verse 22 says, uh, uh, so uh, we read that. Um, Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and uh, verse 10 uh, we didn't uh, look at that yet. He said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So God even prepared uh, the works that we are to do. We are his workmanship. We show the glory of God by being his workmanship. You're going to know a person's work. Look at what he made. And uh, we do that with uh, all kinds of things. If you want to look at the car it's made. If you want to know a person's work, that glorifies that person. Well, God has, he's glorified when we show his workmanship. We are his workmanship. Um, Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verse 9 through 11. uh, The... It, it, the mystery has been revealed in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. So God has a work to do, and who's going to do it? Who's going to preach the gospel to people and say Brazil? It's going to be people or members of the church. And so this is the the church and the power that is uh, we have uh, to understand the exceeding greatness of His power that is available to us. Uh, how much power? Working to the strength of his mouth, uh, of his might. Uh, uh, how much power does he have? Does he really have power? Well, he had the power when he raised him from the dead. That power is available to us. Far above all the rule and authority and power. That's how high his power goes. He, uh, so whatever power is out there, God has given more power. We have more power is available to us than anything else uh, in the world. So, and, and it's available in his church and in, in, in his power. Let's uh, notice this real quick. Uh, the, the centripetal force, we all are familiar with that. Uh, that is where you're drawn to the center, like water going down a drain. It's drawn from the outside and funnels into the center. And so that's what uh, the resurrection in the gospel is, the drawing power of God. And we read that in Romans chapter 1. And uh, verse uh, 4, um, uh, he's, he was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. 
uh, verse 16, of course, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. So he put all the power, and it's all available to each and every one of us. So that's the drawing power of God. It's all draw, drawing us to Christ. It's like a, like a centripetal force. And uh, Matthew chapter 11 and uh, verse uh, 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And uh, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so that whole passage, uh, Christ has drawn us to the center of his power. And where were we at when he drew us? We were dead in our trespasses and sins in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, then there's a centrifugal force driven out from the center. Okay, so we're driven out. We're drawn to Christ to do what? Just, okay, we're the, his riches. He's given us power. We are his inheritance. He, what, he, what does he want us to do? He wants us to go into all the world. Teaching uh, the, the, the gospel. Going to all the world and Preach the gospel to those who uh, baptized and uh, believing in God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he, he wants us to go. Uh, we are strengthened with his power, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15, and we read verse 19, and so we won't read those. Uh, strengthened with his power. God wants us to be spiritually mature. How? By the power working in us. So then we're drawn to God. We have the faith. God now gives us the driving power to drive uh, outward, the power to go into all the world teaching. So our faith is working with God's power. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, but God causes the growth. So you don't have to worry whether you're successful or not. You just proclaim God's word. That's the job that he has given us to do. And uh, so we're to teach that to everyone that is baptized. That's uh, it, back to Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. So no, no one in that sense is, is uh, exempt. Uh, there are some uh, clarifications that need to be made, but that's, uh, that's the, the simplicity of, of it. God causes the growth. Uh, so the success of a, ch- a Christian believes this, and lets the drawing power work in us and through us. Chapter 3 and verse 20. It works in us. And then it's going to work through us. That is uh, in verse 21. So it's going to minimize sin. That's the drawing power of God. Minimizes sin in our life. Drawing us to the center. Now he wants to drive us out and increase our service to him. That's the other uh, force, the centrifugal force. That's the driving power. So having been drawn to Christ and driven out by the Lord's power, and we've been drawn and we appreciate having, uh, have we been driven? If we appreciate the drawing power, we can't resist the driving power that we will go out. We, would, we know they have this power available to us. We have to learn and we have to grow and uh, we reach that point to where we have to go. We have to go into all the world. So if we resist the drawing power, the driving power, what God tells us to appreciate, uh, all that, 
that he called us, uh, that his yoke is easy, burden is light. If we resist all that, we're just going to be robots going through the motions. So we can't resist that driving power. we got to accept, and God wants us to understand, there is the power that works with us. So you have what we're going to get. We have what God is going to get. We're going to get heaven. God is going to get us. And then he's going to give us the power to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. And therefore, uh, there's more to being a Christian than just going through the motions like a robot. And uh, so we'll finish, wrap this up. Uh, verse 20 and 21, he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So his power and authority is for whose benefit? Our benefit. He has all power to do you know, whatever he wants to do, whatever God. He has all power, but he has given us power for our benefit. And we are, uh, uh, his power brought the church into existence. The church was purchased with the blood of Christ. And so there's power that's, that's given in the church. There's given uh, for our benefit, uh, his authority and power. Let's look in verse 22 and 23. And he put all things subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So there's the power that he's given to uh, all of us to overcome all opposition. We are filled with Christ and, and by Christ. We're filled up. Though commanded, it's not forced. It's voluntary. So we have to voluntary. He's not going to twist our arm, force us to do anything. He's never forced us to do anything. He always gives given us a free will choice. And that's the same thing that we give every other person. We can encourage, we can strengthen, we can convince. But that's uh, that's all we can do. And uh, But uh, it's up to each person to make up their own mind, their own choice. And so uh, it's full. The, the the church is full. It's lacking in nothing. The fullness of deity. The body of Christ. It is totally full. You can't fill it up any fuller. It's full of deity. And so it's lacking in nothing. And so that part is perfect. So God's inheritance is perfect in that one sense. That they are in the church. They are striving to go to heaven. Now the imperfect part is every person we all sin and every local church has is imperfect but God he uh, has the perfect uh, lacking in nothing he sees that in the church and as we do our work in the church and do uh, what he wants us to do then we are uh, mature not not, uh, perfect perfect but mature so as we Wrap this up. Uh, we've got to pray and seek to have a spirit of wisdom. That's how it started a month ago when we looked at the, uh, the spirit of wisdom. And, of course, that's an attitude. The attitude of uh, wisdom that we will have. Uh, we will not enjoy if we don't have the right attitude and pray and seek. 
If we don't appreciate the three things that God has uh, said, we won't have this attitude of wisdom. And this wisdom is, is making the proper application of knowledge. And we will not enjoy studying God's Word. We will not enjoy Bible classes and worship and teaching and preaching and cetera and visiting and, and uh, teaching the lost. And we won't enjoy it unless we have this attitude of wisdom and appreciate these three things. So anytime that we lack in appreciation, check these three things out. This is something that God, uh, that Christ, uh, that Paul wanted the church to have. He's the one that brought them in and converted them, many of them, and some of them. And uh, uh, he wants them to appreciate what he appreciated, what kept him going. And that's what would keep us going. So he wants us to appreciate the hope of his calling, glory of his inheritance, the immeasurable greatness of his power. Now, up in the Alps, there's a way up high. Uh, there was a, uh, a guide who risked his life, gave his life up, trying to rescue uh, somebody uh, uh, that was a tourist. And, uh, up in the, and on this memorial stone, it says he died climbing. And that's, that's what he did. He was ascending and dying, and he died climbing, trying to rescue this person. That should be something that each and every one of us should be able to say to the end of our life. That we died climbing. There's not a place where we could just get off and say, I've done enough. Whatever we have, whatever little strength, whatever breath we have, there's always something that all of us can do. And that little thing has a lot of power in it. You do one little thing, you can say one or two little words. That might be all you all you can say. I knew this lady that was ninety uh, some years old. She bought a house by the close to the church building she can get. I think it was fifty eight steps. She counted the steps, fifty eight steps, and she can get there. And she died in that house, but she was happy. She kept saying, "Oh, I've been so blessed." Those two words I took with me, and and yeah, think about it a lot. Two words, this little older lady, and uh, in her 90s, and uh, uh, she never complained. And I think uh, many of us are like that. And I use many of you guys for examples of not complaining. I, I, uh, you know, I try not to do that. But uh, I catch myself. You know, we catch ourselves sometimes in the midst of it. Anyway, uh, we are to die climbing, and so we are to appreciate these three things. And you could be a member of the body of Christ by being baptized into Christ and uh, for the remission of your sins. And if you are ready to do that, we can assist you and help you to do that now. And uh, if you need the prayers of the congregation or need help in any way, make those desires known as we stand and sing the song of